0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Amen. Well, how are you guys doing? It's good to see you all. Hallelujah. Please be seated. All 2nd right, Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 are you there read together one to go hallelujah now there are a million and one things that you can learn from this But I have an emphasis, two or three things to emphasize from this. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I think it is profound, first and foremost, that he said all Scripture. Can you all say all Scripture? All Scripture. And that's because it is God's will that in the formation of doctrine, All scripture must be in view. That's God's will. In such a way that you cannot fully understand God's mind concerning any subject until you have considered everything that the scripture has to say. And so all scripture collectively will have one voice concerning every matter. And that's what is serviceable or profitable for doctrine and for instruction in righteousness. Praise the Lord. I've given this illustration time and time again. It's a popular example that theologians use. The devil was tempting Jesus. And he said, if you know you are the son of God, jump down from the pinnacle of the temple. For it is written, he will give his angels charge over you. To keep you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their wings as eagles, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Uh, Now, you have to answer the question and try to interpret and understand, why was it a temptation? Why is someone quoting the scripture and supposedly asking someone to act on the word of God? How come it's a temptation? Well, the simple nutshell answer answer is this. The reason why, even though the Bible says, and just to be sure you know the Bible as good as the devil does, was it actually written? Of course it was. Where was it written? Psalm 91. Maybe some don't know. But, well, it was written. It is written. But the reason why even though Psalm 91 says that you are not to jump from the pinnacle of the temple, is because, as Jesus replied, it is also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, right? And so all scripture will give us a balanced theology and a balanced perspective to the will of God concerning every subject. Say loud amen if you understand. Amen. And now... That means every pastor is saddled with the responsibility to be well-rounded. You can turn it off if they have their Bibles. Every pastor is saddled with the responsibility to be well-rounded. We cannot make any message the message. We cannot choose to just camp around a particular word. Because the Bible says all scripture. This is an instruction to a pastor. Paul was talking to a pastor. In verse 17, it says, So that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished and prepared unto every good work. So meaning any man of God who starts out his ministry without all scripture being in view, being, in, being, in, being his weapon, he's not thoroughly furnished. You're not prepared. As important as it is to cast out devils, I cannot make that the scope, the singular scope of our ministry. Listen, as an itinerant minister, I can even make an excuse for you. Maybe that's my emphasis and my gifting and my contribution to the body of Christ to teach more about the believer's authority and all of that. As a teacher, you can do that, maybe. You can have one thing and master it well. I've seen some people try to delve into subjects they haven't properly understood. So I would rather they camp around the one they know well. But if you are a pastor, there is a reason why it is all scripture. So that we can be truly furnished. We need all of it. You see that? So, imagine a church that focuses only on healing. Will they see healing often? Emphatically, yes. But are they in the will of God? No. So that's why we must be grounded, truly furnished. And that's why every good church has a teaching curriculum. It might not be written, it might not be cast on stone, but you have that perspective where you are, you, you are teaching and monitoring the advancement of the people you are teaching, so you know what they need to learn. you are, you are studying constantly. You see the way they respond to the Word of God, you know, uh, I need to teach response to the Word of God. You see that many of them don't have a prayer culture, and you know, th- this is what I should emphasize, uh, ex- apart from the leading of the Spirit also, but as someone who nurtures, these are things to know. And so you see Paul telling the church at Thessalonica, he says, hey, I, I want to be with you so that I can perfect what is lacking in your faith. And, A spiritual person has no lack, no spiritual lack. So what he was talking about was specifically, the text I quoted was 1 Thessalonians 3.10. You can just write that down. Was specifically spiritual growth. So I know what you still need to learn, and I'm eager to come and continue that teaching so that you can grow because there are some things lacking in your understanding. You see that? And so the Bible says all Scripture. Praise the name of the Lord. And then he says, all Scripture is profitable for doctrine. For doctrine. So doctrine is a long-established creed, a long-established mode of thinking. a long-established mode of thinking of a group of people. So when we talk about Christianity, for instance, or the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a long-established theology. So nobody has the right to come up with anything new. Praise the Lord. We must teach it the way it was taught in the early church. And how does that apply to what I'm about to say? It applies in this light. The Bible not only tells us what is true, it tells us how to act on what is true. It tells us how to respond to what is true. Praise the Lord. Let me give you an example. Throughout last month, Sundays and midweek services. We talked about grace. And that's so important, right? How many of you were blessed by that teaching series? Very important and very crucial. But, in fact, I'm going to write a material. I don't know if it's going to be a book or something. Much later. On the implications of grace, and this is what I mean. When you study the Word of God clearly, you see that... Grace, as a message, bestows on you responsibility in such a way that if you have truly understood grace, there will be applications in your life. You will live differently if you understand grace. Let me give you an example. Grace was the strongest bedrock for accountability in the early church. Think about it. Think about 1 Corinthians 5. The fact that Paul was talking about it openly. There is a brother. He's having an affair with his father's concubine or his father's wife. He says, and we need to talk about this. And we have to declare a judgment. Just imagine a pastor picks a mic to talk to his church about stuff like that. How weird will it be? But the truth is this. As comfortable as our own way of doing church is, we can't really grow. Because now, it is one thing to understand grace. It is another thing to still keep your errors and the reason you are keeping your errors is because no matter how much knowledge you have of grace, you are still works conscious, at least before your fellow brother. They're like, I have to put up my Sunday best behavior. They can't know that I'm struggling with this. If they know, they will see me in this way. They will see me this way. And so now you're doing bad all by yourself. And you're not getting better. You're not growing in... Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, we know that we have grown in our application of grace when we are secure enough to talk about our faults, I can call two or three people and say, these are my struggles. And I know that I'm not going to hear it outside. But they're going to pray for me and encourage me. Isn't that what Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says? They that are strong should help the weak. That's, that's God's method. So they could talk about it. And say, you know what? We've told him, he has not changed. So I'm telling all of you: grace helps accountability. Grace, the applic- humility is an application of grace. You can't understand grace and not be humble. If you see anybody who is proud, he doesn't understand grace. What did you do to have what you have? I mean, it's all Jesus. It's a privilege, you see. When you understand grace. You will give allowance to people. You will know that you alone cannot evangelize the world. When you see a minister who is not ready to celebrate others, there's a problem. And I don't mean people who are teaching the wrong thing. Do you understand? But when you see someone who is doing well, it's okay. It's okay. And when you see the person, you know, there's something people do You don't want to flatter the person, quote-unquote. So when you see the person, you pretend as if you don't know the person. So, you I don't need to tell you this, but there's a minister of the gospel I know knows me very well. And so we met somewhere, and the pastor was introducing, and I said, you know Pastor Aaron? And he's like, "Eh," in my mind, I'm like, what's wrong? (laughs) You think I'm looking for your applause? you know me. (laughs) Don't pretend, you know me. Praise the Lord. And it's like, uh, yeah. You, you were using the cinema one time. So you don't know me, but you know, that means you even know me very well. <laughs> for you to know where we are using for church. <laughs> you see, I'm just like, there's no, when I see people, if you're doing well, I say, man, you're such a blessing. You're a gift to the body of Christ. I'm, and usually when I talk to them like that, they're now losing up and say, hey, you too, I'm like, (laughs) praise the Lord. See, we need each other. All right. And grace improves your accountability. Okay. Look at the way the epistles are written. Every epistle has a framework. Fundamentally, they start by explaining foundationally what Christ has done, and then they ended by telling you your responsibility because of what Christ has done. So in chapter 1 of Colossians, for instance, it tells you in him that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He says the same thing in Ephesians 1, 7. But then you come to Colossians 3. So now you are basking in the glory of what Christ has done. Oh, I was buried with him by baptism. And I was raised up by faith in the operation of God. I have faith in the operation of God. Glory! I was raised up with him. And then Colossians 3 says, If ye then be risen with him. You see that? It's a continuation. So, he doesn't leave you to respond anyhow. He tells you what your response should be. The reason why a lot of people are debating the grace messages. They don't understand Bible doctrine. The reason why some people are protecting the grace message is because they think that the people who hear it will be irresponsible with it. But they don't forget that the same Bible that teaches grace has told us how to respond. So it says if we then be risen with Christ, we should seek those things which are above what Christ seated at the right hand of God and said our affection. So, I'm not just going to respond anyhow. Do you understand what I'm saying? A lot of people talk about, you know, some people say, "Um, don't put bots in your message. Why are you always trying to balance the teaching of the gospel? Well, Well, maybe that's how the epistles are structured. In such a way that you cannot find a place (laughs) <laughs> some who are legalistic would take this to the extreme but listen to what I'm saying and I'm still coming I'm still going to establish grace very well but think about it every book ends with instructions so the Bible tells us how to respond to the message of grace it's not left to us at all praise the name of Jesus Hallelujah. some people are emphasizing Fruits of righteousness. Some authors are emphasizing righteousness. And you're saying, you are right. No, you are wrong. I'm right. You are wrong. I'm right. Well, question is, why do we need to take sides when the Bible talks about both? And so we just have to find out how both are balanced together. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me give you an example. When the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? Paul is saying that because he has done a good job explaining what grace is. Can I tell you something? If you don't ask that question, you don't understand grace. Until you understand that what Christ has done can be abused, you don't understand grace. It is not grace if it cannot be abused. I know it's a huge statement, but it's true. It is not grace, except it, it can be taken for granted. That's what grace is. That means, even in my weaknesses, you remain faithful. So you know you have really preached that message well when people begin to say, are you saying we can? Anyway, no need for you to imagine. Look at the Bible yourself. He was saying that to explain something he had said earlier. Look at verse 20 of chapter 5. Now, this one is very huge. (laughs) Are you in Romans chapter 5, verse 20? Read together, one to go. Why are you reading like draw soup? Read together, one to go. Now, this is loud. It says, more of the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more. Ab- do, do you know, I have a lot to say about this. But this is what I'm saying. Or oh, this is what this is saying. If two people owe me money, one of them owes me a thousand naira. The other one owes me a million. And I forgive them both. Forgiveness is forgiveness, right? But it took <gasps> greater sin to make much of grace. So. Even if God will never encourage sin, and for you to know how serious sin is, look at the price he paid for it. But it has such a structure where the greater the sin, the greater the appreciation of the grace. You see that? Jesus himself gave an example. He asked Peter, he said, if a master had two servants, one owed ten denarii. The other own. one owed a thousand denarii. I don't remember the exact figures, but you know, one owed significantly more than mm-hmm. the other. And, and the master freely forgave them both. He says, who has it done more favor to? And he says, the one who owed much more. He says, You. <laughs> since I knew you, you never bought me a perfume. You, never, you know, just like some of you, since I've known you, I'm just playing. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And <laughs> I'm playing. You know, whatever you believe is true. So, he <laughs> so, <laughs> says, says, but this lady, what did Jesus say? Because she has been forgiven much, she has loved what? Jesus said that. And you can't really say forgiveness is much for some people and small for some. Mm-mm, forgiveness is forgiveness. But it's just that the magnitude of our errors Give more emphasis to the graciousness of God and the recklessness of that grace. He said, Where sin abounded. He says, As much damage as the law ended up doing, grace has rectified and superabounded. Covered for it over and above. So when that sinks in well, you know say. Are you trying to say, the more I do wrong things, the more I glorify God, you know, and he says, God forbid. But listen, your theology must still stand firmly on both of them. And this is the problem with the body of Christ. Someone wants to run off with Romans chapter 5, verse 20, coming up with his own conclusions, whereas the Bible has told us what to conclude. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's how doctrine works. And so he says, How can we, who are dead to sin, live any longer therein? We're buried with him by baptism, and we're raised to him to walk in the newness of life. Say, That's my life. So that's just a typical example of what I'm saying. Let me give you another example. When I ask you, what do I have to believe to be saved? You see, you have to see what Christ did as efficacious, for your redemption, because it is. His death was not the death of a mere hero, a good person who did good and died like Nelson Mandela. No. There is something Paul called faith in the operation of God. And God wants you to see the death of Jesus as the blotting of your sins, his burial as the destruction of the old man, and his resurrection as your resurrection into the new life. And so, we now begin to make statements like the statement Paul made in Ephesians 1-7 and say in him, meaning in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Everywhere in the world, someone's blood signifies something bad. If we see your blood, something is wrong. But now, we are associating the death of Christ to something good in such a way that no one ever mourned the death of Christ. Firstly, because he rose again. Secondly, because his death brought goodness and forgiveness. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. According to riches of his grace. I now say, oh yes, I'm forgiving. I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. For the same reason you have forgiveness, you have sanctification. So, the theology about the blood of Christ is not open-ended. You are not left to respond to it the way you want to. The Bible tells you, let me show you what I'm saying. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Are you there? Come on, are you there? Read together, one, two, go. Read it again, one, two, go. It says you are bought with a price. What is that price? The blood. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 quickly. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Just put that up on the screen because of time. 1 Peter chapter. It says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from the vain conversations received by the traditions from your fathers, verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ. So, with what were you redeemed? The blood of All right, so now he says, you were, go back to 1 Corinthians 6.20. 1 Corinthians 6.20. This media team is still like this. She had intended. All right. He says, for ye are bought with a price, therefore, Glorify God in your mortal body and in your spirit with our gods. So the blood brought forgiveness. Listen, when you talk about redemption, it is always two-ended. You are redeemed from something to something. If I pay for something, it not only, it not only means that that thing ceases to be the property of the person who owned it before. It also means it is mine now. So a lot of people focus on one side of the coin and say, I'm redeemed from the devil. Oh, despite my weaknesses, my frailties, do you understand? He will never have a right to me. And that's true. But you said you were redeemed. With what? By who? And that means you belong to someone now. And so, by the same piece of theology by which you know you have forgiveness, that's the same theology behind your sanctification. And say, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? The same Holy Ghost in you that signifies your salvation and your justification. That same Holy Ghost, Why do I know I have forgiveness of sins? I have the Holy Ghost. How do I know I have to live a sanctified life? I have the Holy Ghost. You see that? So I am told how to respond to biblical truth. And so nobody, most theologians are just holding a rope at different ends and they are pulling. Whereas it's different sides of the same coin. I said all this to say this. The word of God. Glory be to God. Let me see if I have one more example before I just move on. Okay. Just one more illustration. I'll use my parents as an example. My dad was and is a hard man. Very strict. Hard to please. You know, I think I've told you before. In common entrance I scored five hundred and sixty six over six hundred. That was very high. And it's because I didn't finish. <laughs> you know, that time I was I was book one before that time. I'm still book one, but the books are selective. You know. <laughs> you know. And I came back and I showed him. I said, my results. Oh, that's nice. I'll never forget. Sir. <laughs> I remember the time I came second. I say, I, I came second. He said, someone came first. Make sure you confess. And I know, yes, I'm going to confess next time, but just well done, Abby. That's my dad for you. And so in school. I was working hard to make sure I don't fail so that I don't get my dad angry. But I was also working hard to make sure I don't fail so that I please my mom. Do you understand? The same results, divergent motives. So what I'm telling you in essence is someone who hears grace and thinks that's motivation to do whatever he likes. When I say God will never count your sins against you, say, oh, you mean it? Are you serious? Seriously? Like anything? So I can do this? What about this? You know? Someone, is, someone else is like what what manner of love is this and you know, just breaks down and he's crying and he's like you know what I'll save you with my life so there is a conclusion God expects you to arrive at do you understand what I'm saying so if you really understand the gospel well ah, you will save God it's not an option it's not an option So I said all that to say this. The teachings of last month should drive you to devotion. Drive you to devotion. I'm going to know more about this, God. I should see the freedom of the price that Christ paid by the strictness of your devotion. It might sound like a paradox to a natural man, but it's not. Even natural people can understand that when you sacrifice greatly for a person, there's, there's an expected response. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's why when people observe your devotion, they should be able to tell that someone died for you. It's a serious matter. Don't relax because it's grace. No. You have to grow up. You have to grow up. Be well-rounded in the message. Understand its implication. Understand what is expected of you. Grow up. Hallelujah. I would have told you to look at the person by the side and say grow up, but some of you that up by your side and not your mates. So... <laughs> So let's try this way. Pastor said grow up. Say that. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. But you need to grow. Maybe you're here. You just joined this church. Well, you have a lot of growing to do. You've been a part of this church for such a long time. You have a lot of growing to do. Our freedom is our motivation for seriousness. The fact that. Even if we fold our arms. We are still children of God. Is the reason why we will never fold our arms. The love of Christ. Motivates us. Love is the strongest motivation. Hallelujah. Say so the love of Christ is my motivation. Say this month. I will study. I will pray. I will tell people about it. I mean, think about it. How can I not tell people? Do I really understand grace if I don't tell people? I, I doubt it. If I, if I don't talk about it, it's not good news. You see? So this month, Look at that 1 Peter one eighteen again. 1 Peter 18. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Next verse. But with the... Uh, hey, you, are, you, know, you want to make your point now. You're very fast. All right but with the precious blood of Christ. Thank you, Lord. As a lamb without blemish and without spot. Listen, a lamb without blemish or spot was slain for you. Slain for you. Think about it this evening. Think about it. He gave his life for you. What are you going to do with that life? So now... Are they still going to cajole you to read your Bible? Are they still going to cajole you to pray? Are you going to live a life that is short of what he has ordained for you to live? The magnitude of the sacrifice would drive devotion like never before. Say loud amen. amen. Say, that's my life. That's my life. So uh, now you're going to bring structure to your life, discipline. Something so free and so generous will be the reason why you are so military in your approach. <laughs> ah, Lord, was shared for me. I have the Holy Spirit and I will not stare up myself every day. I can't, I can't do that. Hallelujah. I can't do that. I can't do that. So you've heard it before, and it's true. Christianity is not a religion. I've told you before, Paul never called us Christians. It was the unbelievers who called us Christians. And if they were right... That means something is wrong. How can they have revelation into what Christ has done? Christianity, as a name tag, does not describe who we are. The name Christians is, is just very behavioral. Oh, these guys were following him. They began to talk like him and act like him. They are like Christ. It's deeper than that. All right? We have become. The manif- Don't forget what I taught you the last time I came here. Don't forget what it means to be the son of God. What did the Bible say about the sonship of Jesus in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16? It says, great is the mystery of godliness. This is a mystery. It says, God was manifest in the flesh. seen of angels, meaning even the incarnation as Christosom and other theologians say, was the first time, the first opportunity that the angels had to see God in a form. Even the angels. No one had seen God before. He dwells in unapproachable a, in a, light. Unapproachable light. And now, we also are the sons of God or like Paul said, as though God doth beseech you by us. That's our perspective to the world. God is reaching out to the world in us. He wants the world to know about His reality through us. He wants to manifest His presence in us. That's part of the reasons you have the Holy Ghost. So that everywhere you are, God is. Like Jesus, you can say to a Samaritan woman or any other lady from any other country or any other person and say, if you knew the gift of God, so my being here, you're meeting me here is the gift of God. It's, it's, a, it's a consciousness. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Ambassador? Praise the Lord. However, there is a religion in Christianity there is a devotion in Christianity. It might not be a devotion. Christianity is not a lie. It's not a lifestyle, it's a life. But that life has a lifestyle. Someone tagged me in a post, you know, all these picture quotes. The same one I preached. I'm not really sure now. It was my first sermon in ICM when we were at ICM. 2014 January. Five years ago. A little more. You know, and I said the same thing I'm saying. Christianity is not a lifestyle, it's a life. And I gave an example. I said, a human being can squat and pretend to be a dog. Well, he's not a dog acting like a a dog, squatting like a dog, and trying to imitate the back of a dog still doesn't make you a dog. But I'm told that the way the disease called rabies works is, just imagine as you were there fooling around, woof, woof, an actual dog that has rabies catches you. And bites you. Then the back will become natural. If you are not treated on time, do you understand? I hear that people who I don't even know if it's true. Any eh, that people who have rabies begin to act like dogs. Is it true? So now something has gone into his blood, making him act that way. It's not just behavior. It's something inside. Praise the Lord. But when we see a dog, we don't see the thing inside. From the behavior we know it's a dog. If you are not sure, allow it to bite you. So even if it's not the lifestyle that makes it a dog, but the life, you cannot separate the life from the lifestyle, you can't. When new life enters you, a behavior will follow. Praise the name of Jesus. So feel free to structure your work with God. To say, okay, this is my prayer time. And now, you, I don't know what you would tell the Lord when you stand before him. What would be your excuse? That he put you in a church that cares about you well enough to come up with a prayer time twice a day. Audio live streaming. You watch other things on YouTube during the day. Tune in for a prayer time and you don't. Praise the Lord. Listen. One of the proof of maturity is the discernment of value. It's a vital proof of maturity. Has it ever happened to you or any child that you know that an uncle came to see the child and gave the child 1,000 naira? And the parents, or let me say 50k, And the parents definitely, African parents, won't let you spend that money. What will you spend it on? Lollipop. But when we explain it to you, some will just come. Let me use 1,000 because it's simple for, simpler for illustration. Some will just come and say, see 20 naira. This one is slippery. Very nice, touch it. It's green. I will give you three. Some of your memories are coming to me. Your parents did it to you. I said, take this one, this is three. This one is plenty, I will give you plenty. Maybe even five. Give me that 1000 And then the, the child gladly will say, ah, thank you. We will say thank you because it takes maturity to discern value when my when my daughter takes my iphone and is using it to beat the drum you know ba 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 and i see it and scream you don't understand like why is i shouting <laughs> because it takes maturity to understand value hallelujah i will know how much growth You've seen in your life by what you value. By what you value. Hallelujah. You know, some people, I mean, Lagos traffic, I can't make midweek service. Everybody should understand. The pastor should understand. And I understand it's hard, it's difficult. But when you become so complacent, you don't care. And then you have the opportunity to stream, and you still don't. Now, that's a problem. That's a problem. I wish I could play tips for you in the early years of my Christian growth. You will see hunger. When I say hunger, do you understand? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Your life should depict hunger. Or let me use a better word, honor for the word of God. So you will do your best. It's worth it. It's worth it. You've you've sacrificed for cheaper things. People travel to see a doctor, travel out. People travel out to school. Have you ever journeyed for the word of God before? You know the reason why we have to bother having CCC Abuja, CCC Lagos? And no one can even imagine how stressful that is for me. You know, everybody wants it comfortable. Praise the Lord. But I journeyed down. Because I value the word of God. You see that? What if you had to travel? It's worth it. Come on. Are you listening to me? Your church prays every day, you don't join. You, and your body did not do you some harm. Or maybe service is ongoing, you couldn't make it. You know, and you're doing other things. You're just gisting while in a wait time. No, that shouldn't be your life. Say, that's not my life. So this month, you will structure your devotion well. Make plans to pray more. Make plans to study the Word of God more. Let me tell you something. In school, we're already printing devotionals. And the influence of our teaching ministry, even then as a student, grew very fast. And so there was a time we began to print 2,000 copies of our devotional every month. And many times in two weeks, the whole thing was bought. So one month we said, we are going to print 10,000 copies. Remember? and give most of it out free. So we went, I went myself. Were you there? Did you come with me, with me to Unilag? Like? Okay, where were you? <laughs> Are you still in the world? Maybe <laughs> you were still on Sears that time. Okay, you did there, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know. So I was there myself. And then to my amazement, something we never saw when we were giving The devotional out at a cost, we saw. We saw copies of the devotional on the floor. You see that? Because sometimes, when something is free, some people don't just descend the value anymore. I can tell you with all sense of humility, guys, Celebration Church is a hard-working church. A lot of time and prayer goes into virtually every sermon. Do you understand? My, my sermon for the next Reboot Camp is done. I'm done. Did you hear what I said? Just to let you know how much work. When we say we're working with the curriculum, I mean it. So, and now there, there are some things. And I'm going to teach in that meeting that I believe I'm going to help so many people in their Bible study. I believe some theologians deserve the privilege to hear those sermons. Because there are some things that have been in a conundrum. And with much study, by the grace of God, I've uncovered it. I'm going to teach it. I'm just going to... Some things like Hebrews 6, the Hebrews 6 common how do we understand it? Some of you know what I'm saying. It's very simple. Do you understand what I'm saying? And now, when that preaching is done and it's free, and you don't listen to it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what to say. Do you get my point? Ah, you have to listen to it. Listen to it again and again. You have to have that attitude. You go through a week, you don't listen to a sermon. You know, I myself listen to that's the thing about the word of God. The fact that it comes out of your own mouth does not mean your heart does not need it. So many times I'm listening to my own sermons and I'm blessed because it's the word of God, it's the ministry of the Spirit. You see that? So I listen to it. So you need to listen to it too and often, often. Make sure you create a structure for inspiration this month. Build an environment around you that inspires you to pray, inspires you to study. If you listen to sermons, you will pray, and you will study. If you attend services often, you will pray, you will study. If you move with the right people, you will pray, you will study. It's so predictable that when people say, I don't know, Pastor, what's wrong with my life? I say, when last did you read a book that stayed your hearts? <laughs> you know? Don't forget, pastors are human beings. They wake up some, some mornings, I don't feel like praying. Well, there is what to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let this month be different. So, I want to see more participation in our online devotion this month. Say so loud amen. amen. And I want to see you, well, I can't see you do this one. You're going to listen to sermons more than usual just keep the word of god in your ear listen to them again and again okay listen to it as if you were going to teach it listen to music many times i just rearrange my playlist. because you know it's like songs have like lifespan have you noticed of course apart from album songs Hey, we have one bang down the way. Es- explosion. Explosion. That's why I came to, I, I was not meant to preach. Then these people just started guilt-tripping me. Pastor, you mean you will come and you sit and you will not preach? You mean you will? I said, give me the mic. <laughs> you know, I actually just need a break. You know, but that's why I actually came. All right, so you're going to listen to songs, not just outburst songs alone. But songs that, you know, it has to stir your mind. Feel free to ask people to recommend. Like, what song is stirring your mind? Can you send it to me? Do you understand? It should be a crucial part of your research. The right songs, the right books, the right. If you, if you have something stirring your heart consistently, then you will grow. Praise the Lord. And then celebration church services are usually very solid. Do you understand? Even if your work with God is zero, just come, just sit down. You don't feel like doing anything. Just sit down, just here. Hallelujah! It will, you must catch fire. It's not possible. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Say that's my life this month. Say I'm going to study. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to be diligent. Hallelujah. To so whom much is given, much is required. If he freely gave you all things, or gave you his son, you will give him your life. Show it in your devotion. So, are you are you going to do that now? So, our resolutions, prayer time, sermons, what else? Music. And then, if you have not read Saving Grace, let's do this. If you cannot afford it, please, God knows your pocket. Don't let thunder slap (laughs) anyway. I'm just joking. Thunder will not slap you, don't worry. But let's not tempt God. (laughs) I'm just joking. If you know you cannot afford it, Can I tell you something the book was written to be read and that's my number one priority do you understand so just make sure you can't be a member of this church and not have a copy do you understand and if you're a member of this church you have asked for transport before you have someone (laughs) bros. but you've not asked someone to buy you the book there's something is wrong or you've not tried to read it to borrow it (laughs) hey god so just if you can't afford it Come to me. If you're here, you can afford to pay for someone after the service, please do so. So just get that book. I can assure you, very likely this year, two more books will be out. Praise the Lord. Why well, in that season? You know. But just read, 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 read a book, at least a book, a good book, this month. Will you do that? All right. So, stand to your feet and pray about it. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline, 0809-996-7000. Blessings.